0: Are we not part of a kingdom? Are we not part of a mishpachah? We are part of a whole. And so we have to continually see that. We have to be mindful uh, that there are uh, those in our family that we serve alongside. You know, in the, in the military, a lot of people who come from different backgrounds and different places and different, uh, just, just different families, different views, everything. When you put a group of guys together in a, in a foxhole, it doesn't matter where they came from. They're there for each other right now. It's kind of that way when the Father calls us, you know? When he calls us out of where we were, we leave where we were. Now, I'm not saying you forsake your family. What I'm saying is we leave the mindsets that we were in. We leave the actions and the type of people that we were, and we become something new. When we become something new, we have to be mindful of that which we're joined to. See, it's, it's one of the things we don't see too much about here, you know, in America. Because it, we're really big on, you know, you have a personal relationship with the Father, and that's important. And I'm not saying anything against that. What I'm saying is we're so focused on that, we lose sight of each other. And so we have to not just re- be reminded of the God that we serve, but we have to be reminded of those that serve alongside us. We have to see each other as part of a family. We have to see each other as all coming into the same house to be called a part of the same people. Part of the problem is we really don't understand covenant. And I think even more so is as... as time progresses and as a culture moves away and relationships become disposable i think as time goes on we really don't see covenant but yet scripture is a document that contains many covenants but one god see so we have to see how our place is with him in covenant and so we're told how do we as a people who let's just say for the sake of argument we were born in the nations we were not born of a tribe who is known to have covenant with yah we were born in the nations we served our own gods we served ourselves we we did we did whatever we wanted however we wanted whenever we wanted with no mind or anything about the god of israel okay so where's our covenant and you can say well yeshua right and you'd be right but do we understand really how that worked and why yeshua could extend that covenant to the nations see we don't understand covenant because we don't understand covenant there's a lot of gaps that we have and because we have these gaps it changes our view towards what god said is his heart that's israel what god said is is that which he protects like the apple of his eye and that's israel so we're going to talk a little bit today on a few things we're going to talk about teaching torah we're going to talk about who's in covenant and further is this teaching torah and issues of covenant relevant to those that we call would call gentiles it's that's it's really a lot if you really think about it because it's not something that's commonly thought about but where's our place in that you ready okay i want to start off with this when we first surrender ourselves to the father when we first surrender our lives to him let's face it we don't know the first thing about him we don't know how to serve him we don't know the promises that he has given to us we don't know the covenant that he desires for us to be pulled into, right? Most of us, when we come to Him, we, we just come to realize that He said there's a better way and He desires for me to walk with Him. That's awesome. Let's do it because I've kind of messed up my life on my own, right? So let's walk with Him. But then how do we find out how to do that? You know, we can't say, Yahweh, I surrender myself to you. I have sinned. I repent. I come to you for a second and I'm going to keep doing my own thing. See, it doesn't work that way. When you come to him and you repent, you surrender yourself to him, then you need to walk with him. So we have to learn how to do that. When Yeshua went to his Talmudim, what did he tell them? Follow me. Did, would he tell us any different? No. As they followed Yeshua, would they, would they see things that, that are contradicted from what the Father said? No. So there, there's, there's some things that we may have to get straight here. How do we learn what Yahweh desires for us? When they came out of Egypt, where did they go? Did they come out of Egypt and immediately go to the land of Israel? Matter of fact, when they were in Egypt and Moshe went to Pharaoh, he never once went to Pharaoh and said, Moses, Moses saying, let my people go so that we can go to Israel. I'm just saying that there's, there's a reason for that. What was the purpose and what was the point? What was the declaration of bringing them out of Egypt? Let my people go that they may go into the wilderness to worship me. Where were they going in the wilderness to worship him? To the mountain. Why did they go to the mountain? Well, to worship Him. And what happened? He made covenant with them. He gave them His word. He equipped them for what they would need to keep them going into the promise, okay? So that's that way with us. When we come to him, he redeems us. He brings us out of Mitzrayim, so to speak, right? He brings us out of troubles. He brings us out of bondage and slavery, of slavery to sin. He brings us out, then the mikveh, the baptism, the going through the the sea, right? Then the mikveh, and then he brings us to the mountain where he gives us his word. The idea of giving us his word is important because we need it. We need to be equipped for what lies ahead, for what he desires for us. Because the idea was not just to stay at that mountain. He gave them the word to equip them for what lie ahead, and then Moshe had to lead them to the promise. So they got the word, but then they had to learn how to walk in the word they were given, carry it with them as they go to the land. Much like us. We have to learn what it means to daily walk in those words of life, those words that are given to us. We have to learn how to do that. And even in Yeshua's day, you think, you think, guys, Yeshua had problems too, <laughs> right i mean you ever listen really pay attention to how he talked to some of his disciples i mean really seriously you find things like how much longer do i have to put up with you guys (sighs) really you know i mean he was real he was a man you know he there so so understand that but then even after yeshua uh, had gone he was death burial resurrection he ascended even afterwards there, he, he left his Talmudim to proclaim the word, to help spread the good news, and to help show the way that he desired. And so when we have is people of nations, surrounding nations, people who were not descent from Judah, who have come to terms to realize the one true God is the God of Israel, so they, they, they want to serve him, but they don't know how. See, we were there. We want to serve Him, but we don't know how. We love Him because He has forgiven us. He, is, he has brought us to Himself. Scripture says He who has been forgiven much loves much. Right. So here, we, we, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we come to Him, but now, okay, so now how do I live in the kingdom? How do I live better? How do I not go back to the things that that trapped me and kept me in bondage and the things that 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 caused me to just be a slave to sin my whole life? How do I change my thinking? How do I change my ways? How do I how do I live? How do I do this? Well, this was part of the problem that we read from the disciples. Because the Jerusalem Council, the the issue came up, says there's a whole bunch of Gentiles. They've come to faith, okay? And they're causing a, a havoc everywhere. They're causing a ruckus all over the place because they don't understand anything, but they, they're coming in and they, they want to be a part, but they don't know what God said about anything. So how do we get order here and how do we see how to, how to take steps forward with them? See that? What was the verdict? Okay, so if we go to Acts 15, uh, go down to verse 20 and 21. This is Yaakov speaking, James, right? Yeshua's half-brother, if you want to put it that way, right? He says, So we write to them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. This is like the starting point of faith. So let's write to them just to start with these four things, okay? And then what happens next is there's a fifth one that is often overlooked. What is it? See, because the, the first four are things that, that if we really wanted to, we could make it subjective, right? The fifth one is where it calls us to accountability. What's it say? For Moses of old time has in every city him that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Is this just like a statement that doesn't mean anything? Is he just saying, I want you to start with these four things because these guys over here are talking about the Torah that God gave to Moses all the time, but don't worry about that. See, that's not the way it was said, is it? This is said with the understanding of start with these four things, then go to the synagogue on Shabbat, to hear what? The Torah that was given to Moses. So people have asked, so why do you teach the Torah? Because I was told to. In Scripture, we are told to teach the Torah. This is the instructions from our Father. This is His heart. These are His ways. What Yeshua came, and, and, and when Yeshua came, what scroll did Yeshua teach from? I mean, He taught from Torah. When He, when he came and on the, He was on the road and He appeared to the two men, and He opened their eyes, right? And He started to reveal the Messiah to them. He started reading from where? The Torah. Moses and the prophet. See, the problem is we don't understand how to do the same. So the result is we have a lot of people who negate the Scriptures before Matthew because we don't understand how they're relevant to our lives. But yet, the disciples of Yeshua which I think with the time that they had spent with Yeshua would kind of know his idea on it. You know, would kind of know what his thinking on it was and what was his thinking on it. Go to the synagogues on Shabbat to hear the Torah taught so that we can be instructed in the heart of the Father. That's it. See, we gather to hear instruction and to hear the teaching and to have him revealed so that we can go out and live it out there. That's that's it. So we come in and we gather. Where was Yeshua on Shabbat, guys? I mean, Scripture after Scripture, we've gone over them before. You know, one being, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on Shabbat. Well, if it's his custom, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, because we know he was very anti-custom. He didn't have any customs, right? No, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on Shabbat, right? And we find, you know, Rav Shaul, where he would go to, go on Shabbat, and he would sit down, and he would talk to the people. He would, so here's the thing. We find, especially, especially today, we find people are gathering in homes, and honestly, that's great. The temple isn't standing, so I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but uh, truly it's irrelevant because it's not here. But in Yeshua's day, where did they meet? They met in the synagogue, they met in the homes, and they met at the temple. And none of these was in the place to take over the other. They all had a different purpose. They all had a different point. They all had different things. Okay, so, so the people, they would come in on Shabbat, they were, the idea was to gather to hear the Torah taught. How is that relevant to those who are not Jewish? <laughs> I go back to we don't understand covenant. Let's go back and talk about the word, and then we'll back up and we'll, get, we'll hit covenant before we're done and probably spend about the, the last part of this on that. Okay. So 2 Timothy 3, 13-17 says what? But evil men and pretenders will grow worse and worse, leading astray and being led astray. But you keep on doing what you have learned and were assured of knowing from whom you learned. Okay, now verse 15. And you have learned from your childhood the what? The Holy Scriptures. So when we read here in Timothy, 2 Timothy, where it says you have learned from your childhood the Holy Scriptures, what is it? What are the Holy Scriptures? Okay. <laughs> this is, is something, and, and, and I'm not trying to say this being facetious. I'm being serious. This is something that most people don't stop to think about. That when the scripture says scripture, what is are they talking about? Because at the time that this was written to Timothy, what we would call the New Testament, the B'riyad Shah, wasn't together yet. So when he says scripture, what do we mean? Torah, the prophets, the writings, right? So you've learned from childhood, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through belief in Messiah Yeshua. He does not say that Yeshua takes the place of the scriptures. That's why we have things like he is the living word. He is the word that was made flesh. Okay? So he, did, he said, he, when he came and he was made flesh, he didn't change the word. He didn't make that which came before irrelevant. Verse 16. All what? All scripture is written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness, so that the man of Yahweh may be perfected and complete for every good work. Can we agree on this? Right, I'm in the right place. Now, my next thought is, along the lines of what we just read, go to the synagogues on Shabbat go to hear the Torah taught. Does that fall in line with this? So as we gather, what are we being instructed in? Well, the Torah, but in what way? See, that's what this is for. This is part of our, part of our gathering together is, yes, to honor the king, to worship him and, and to declare his goodness and his word and, and just to experience life together with one another. But we've got to grow. So we need the word, right? Look at this. Romans 7.12, wherefore the Torah is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. We read, or we have heard, that Paul is, is very anti-Torah. Now, if we go through, and we continue to read through the book of Acts, we find that there are, when, he, when he went to the council, they said, we have heard that you are teaching people against the Torah, and we know that's not true. So it's kind of, we miss stuff like that. Okay? So we need to pay attention to that. So the Torah... It's not bondage, okay? We're talking about the law is bondage. Guys, the law of sin and death is bondage. You can't say the law is bondage and then in the same breath say, he is the word made flesh. Because then you're saying Yeshua is bondage. See, that doesn't work. Torah is life to anyone who will receive it, walk in it. Further, the Torah was given to a people who were in covenant. The people were already redeemed when they received the word. Yahweh did not give the people his Torah and says, when you get this perfect, come back and talk to me. I heard someone say it, say it this week, and I don't remember who said it, but it was a very good point. He says, you don't clean up to take a shower. That's, that's great. I love that. So we're not perfect because we seek to keep the Torah. Matter of fact, if we take an honest look at the Torah, we see just how, mu- how short we fall. But isn't that the point? It's not a matter of God gave us something impossible so that we couldn't do it, so he could laugh and say, yeah, get up and try it again. That's not it. He gave us the word because this is a standard for holiness and righteousness. His desire is that we walk in His ways according to His heart. That's how we do it. We fell short because we still like being sinful. So we repent, we come to Him, now we have to learn to walk in His ways. So the Torah is just. The Torah is righteous. The Torah is holy. It is good. Look at Romans 7, 14. We know the Torah is spiritual, but I am carnal. See? So which is, which is bondage? The carnal, the flesh. Romans 7:22. I delight in the Torah of Elohim after the inward man. My spirit rejoices when I hear the word. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that the grace of God abounds? Shall we continue in sin because God's grace abounds? So that means we sin more so that we can be carriers of his grace. Wow, no, 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 no. Understanding there is forgiveness. He does give us his grace because let's face it, there's a lot we don't know. But he does equip us for what he's asking us to do. And when we do fall short, we have an advocate. Okay? Look, Romans 3.31. So do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Matter of fact, we establish the law. If we say we have faith, we establish the Torah in our life. huh? Like James says, show me your faith. Right, 1 Timothy 1.8. Well, but we know that the Torah is good if a man uses it lawfully. How many of you guys have ever been beat up by the word? See, that, that, that's not the way it was given. Yes, it was given to, sh- to show us a holy God and his desire for us to walk together. And honestly, when we read the word, it will convict you. It will convict you, but it won't condemn you. See, conviction leads us to a place of repentance. Condemnation says there's no hope. And if we're reading the word, we, we, we today uh, we have a society who, who thinks that conviction is hate speech. It's not the case. Scripture says he chastens who he loves, see? So, uh, Galatians 2.17, But if while we seek to be justified by the Messiah, we ourselves are also found sinners, which is violators of the Torah. So is therefore the Messiah the minister of sin? No. Elohim forbid. So he's saying, so he shows us what sin is, but to what end? To lead us to a place of repentance because he desires us to be a holy people that is set apart. He wants us to walk with him. And in his path, if we want to walk hand in hand with him, in his path, he is right, he is holy, he is just, he is good. So we need to walk in his ways, not ours, right? Okay. Micah 4, 1 and 2. But it shall be in the end of days, the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established on the top of the mountains, and it shall be lifted from the hills, and people shall flow to it. And many nations, many who? Nations. What's normally the word used for nations? Goyim, what we often call Gentiles. Okay, understand the word Gentiles doesn't translate as pagan. Gentiles, Goyim, means nations. Now, the idea behind it can be pagan. Well, how's that so? Because if you're a covenant with Yahweh and covenant with Israel, that you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. If you don't serve him, then you are serving other deities, which means pagan, okay? (laughs) But the word goyim does not mean pagan. It means nations, right? Because there are those in the nations that are seeking the God of Israel. There are those among the nations who will be called out of the nations and be joined with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. See? So this is something we have to be mindful of. So it says that people from all the nations... They will come and they will say, come, let us go to the mountain of Yahweh and to the house of the Elohim of Jacob. Who is the house of Yaakov? Israel. Israel. Because we talk, when we talk about Israel, we talk about that, that which was all Israel as one identity. But we do know that Israel was split into factions. It was divided. The kingdoms were split. So we have the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom, we still have in existence. We still acknowledge. We still know who it is. Where'd the northern kingdom go? Into all the nations, okay? Because of idolatry. And so being called back to be joined with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel means, cut to the chase, should I just say it? You're part of a covenant that God made with Israel. I don't see anywhere where God says that the covenant he made with Israel is gone. Matter of fact, what I see, and I'll show you as we continue with this, I'll show you exactly so, that when God's made covenant with the people of the nations, He's bringing you in to be a part of a covenant with the people called Israel, even when you come to faith in Yeshua. Hmm. Okay, more on that in a few minutes. So many nations will come. They will say, let's go to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the Elohim of Yaakov, and He will teach us His ways. We will walk in His paths. So what are His ways and His paths? For the Torah shall go forth and the word of Yahweh from Yerushalayim. So the Torah will go forth and the word of Yahweh from Yerushalayim. Well, who is the word? Yeshua. Where was He? Where did he start? Where did he really start all this? Jerusalem, right? Okay, Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34 says So, but this is the covenant that I will cut with the house of Israel after those days, declare Yahweh. So, this is a new covenant that is being established. Understand, Jeremiah is talking about a covenant that is yet to be, but doesn't replace an existing one. So, what we're really seeing is, is a covenant that we call new, but it's being a partaker of something that exists because it doesn't completely make everything new. He takes that is there that He has established and brings us to be a part of it. How so? Look at it. This will be a covenant where I will cut the house of Israel and cut with who? House of Israel. And if we go back and we read, just, just for the sake of clarification, I don't think I have it in my notes, when you read the, the, uh, the, the dry bones and the two sticks and all that in Ezekiel, you find like when the sticks are coming together, one representing the southern kingdom, one the northern kingdom, right? one for Judah and those joined with Judah. And then we have one, the stick of Ephraim, which is Yosef. And those joined with him. So what we have are these, not just two groups of people, but four. But they're being all joined together, first into two houses, two sticks, then to be joined into one. It's part of this regathering process. Okay. And acknowledging that we're part of this covenant means we're part of this restoration. So look, so in that days, I will put my what? Right. Well, let me show you. In this days, I will put my what? Torah in their inward parts, and I will write, what? It on their hearts. And I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. So check it out. God is saying that when we have people, this covenant yet to be, that when we have people who are coming to faith in him, that he will put the Torah within them. So how can we say, well, when we come to faith in him, we have Yeshua, but the Torah is irrelevant. If God himself says this new covenant is the Torah alive in you. What happens, it's not just a matter of, of that which was given, the Torah was given and here it is and you got to read it, but that which was written, the very heart of Yahweh to His people is now in you. He said He will put His Word. Did He say He would change His Word? No, He said He will take the Torah that He already had, the Torah that is existing, and He will put that in you and write it within you. And they shall no longer each man teach his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, "No, Yahweh, for they shall all know Me, the least of them to the greatest declares Yahweh for I will I will what forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more so if we say we are forgiven what does that mean how do we live he says he has given us his heart he's given us his ways he's given us his words for life this is how we are we are to walk and and further you know we have people are saying oh we we don't need to learn from anyone because we will all be taught from God okay that's true but are we there yet Because it also says everyone will know him. Are we there yet? So you can't say, "Well, I don't have anyone teach me. I can teach God teach me Himself." So what you're saying is, "All know him now." Hmm. Just saying, guys. We do need each other. Okay, we do need each other. All right. Ezekiel 36:24. For I will take you from the nations. Take you from where? From the nations. And I will gather you out of all the lands and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle pure water on you. What was the water for? To purify right? I will sprinkle the pure waters on you. You will be purified. I will cleanse you from your defilement from all your idols. And I will also give you what? A new heart. Whose heart does he give us? His heart. If he gives us his heart, then it's safe to say where to walk in his word because he's not going to give us his heart and then say his word. Forget about it. He will give you a new heart and he will put a new spirit in you. Whose spirit does he put in you? His. Why? See, that's the thing. Why? We think, okay, so he put his spirit within us. For signs, wonders, and miracles, and so that we can do great things. Now, here's the thing. I do believe that there are miracles. I've seen them. I do believe that Yeshua says that the greater works will come with those. I, I do believe, okay? But if we think that's all there is, we've missed the point. Because don't forget, didn't, don't we find in the Scripture where it says the signs were for the unbelievers? So why are we always seeking signs? If we're always seeking signs, wonders, and miracles, that does nothing but testify of our lack of faith. We're always seeking the next sign. Show me a sign. Give me another sign. That one wasn't good enough. Give me another one, you know. But we won't open the Scripture to read. So he says, I'll give you a new heart, give you a new spirit, and I will put my spirit in you. Take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. Again, to what end and why? He puts his spirit in us and he tells us very next, very next step why he puts his spirit in us. He says, I will cause you to what? Walk in my statutes, you will keep my judgments and do them. If we say, I am redeemed, and I am filled with the Spirit of Yahweh, then that means we will walk in His ways. And His ways is His Torah. <laughs> Malachi 4, 2-6. But to you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and, uh, and you shall go out and frisk like calves out of the stall. You shall tread under the wicked, for there shall be ashes under the soles of your feet, in the day which I am preparing, says Yahweh. So when He redeems us, when He calls us out, and when He sends us forth... We're free, we're told something very important that we have forgotten. And it's kind of ironic that he says, don't forget. Why would he say, remember, don't forget this, remember this? Because we have forgotten. What is it? Remember the Torah of my servant Moses, which I commanded him in horror for all Israel. And the statutes and the judgments. The problem is, we don't understand who all Israel is. We don't understand that when we are partakers of covenant, when we come to covenant with Yahweh, we are now called in to be a part of a people that is called Israel. Because that changes how you read Scripture. What we we have been taught is that because I believe I have replaced Israel, that's not true because you can't find that anywhere in the Scripture. What happens when we come to faith, we come to be a part of a people that he calls Israel. (laughs) And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the sons and the heart of the sons to the fathers so that I will not come and strike utter distress. Revelation 12, 17. So the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. So who was the remnant? Those who... Keep the commandments of God, of the testimony of Yeshua. In the book of Revelation, what it says, those who are the remnant are those who keep the commandments of hmm. So we're past this now, right? This is old, this has gone away, right? <laughs> no. Revelation 14, twelve. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that what? Keep the commandments of God and have faith in Yeshua. So again, is it relevant for us? Yes. Absolutely. Revelation twenty-two, fourteen. Blessed are they that. Do his commandments. If you, ha- if you haven't figured it out, Revelation 22 is like towards the end of the end of the book. <laughs> you know, the book of Revelation, oh yeah, that's the book of Revelation. You know, but like chapter 22, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like Solomon when he says, so the end of everything and the whole of everything is this. <laughs> keep, yeah, to keep his commandments, to love God, keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man. That's what Solomon said. He said, after all the wisdom, after he tried everything, did everything... The most important thing is what we find right here in Revelation 22. Blessed are they that do His commandments. Not just listen to them. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. For without, so outside of the city, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, idolaters and whoever loves and makes a lie. Wow. What did Yeshua tell us to do? Go and make disciples. Right? Here's a a question, just the reality of it. How do you make a disciple? In the most technical form of it, you can't. You can't make a disciple. So did he tell us to do something that was impossible? What does the word disciple mean? Talmud is the word for disciple. It means student. Go make students. So how do you make a student? You, that's it. You can't. A student is someone who has submitted themselves to the teacher. Go make disciples is really telling us, go teach, go instruct. He didn't tell us, and again, this, this kind of rubs the wrong way. to to many but it's what he said he did not say go make converts it changes the focus doesn't it then our focus becomes oh just get them to say this prayer and then they'll live a false life thinking they're okay it's not about just saying a prayer it's about a complete change of heart go make disciples in other words learn teach find people with the heart to get to to get plugged in to hear what the word really says follow in his footsteps follow in his ways pursue him with all of our heart with all of our soul and all our might Make him the most important thing that there is. So go, therefore, and teach the nations. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to what? Observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So teaching them to what? Observe all the things that I have commanded you. Did Yeshua command them anything different from what the Father already said? And the answer is no. You, you, may, have other, you may have people say, well, yeah, see, Yeshua saw something different. But he didn't. Because Yeshua even says, the things that I am doing, the things that I am teaching, things that I am saying are not my words, but the Father's. And He says these are the words of the Father. Well, God wasn't schizophrenic. He didn't become somebody different when Yeshua came into the earth. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So His Word did not change. So what changed then? The method of delivery. The same Word that He gave is now written on your heart. That's what changed. You changed. He didn't. So what did Yeshua say to us telling me, Dean? John 14:21. Whoever has, what? My commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Judas, not Iscariot. Man, I love that every time I read it. <laughs> See, it I I like, seems like we did that recently. Just every time I read it, I keep thinking, man, how would you like to have that name? <laughs> oh, man, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Judas, not that guy. <laughs> you know, not, not the guy you're thinking, you know. Man. <laughs> like, I, I'd be like, give me another name, Lord, please, you know, change it. Anyway, so Judas not a skirt, said, Lord, how, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Yeshua says, if anyone loves me, he will what? Keep my word. and My father will love him. And we will come with him and we will make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And then he says, and the words that you hear are not mine, but the father's who sent me. So he's, he's telling us the things that I am telling you. If Whoever loves me will keep my words, and the words that I am telling you are the same words that the Father gave. He did not come to start a new religion. He came to give you a means to enter into covenant. Big difference. When we approach the Word, the Word reveals sin in our hearts, right? That's the idea. So if we don't know what sin is, how could we repent? Isn't that the idea? If we don't know what this is why Paul, Paul says things like, so through the law, the sin became alive doesn't mean that the torah lives in sin what that means is when we read the torah we now see oh we're sinful we now see things that we may not have seen before if yeshua came to do away with the torah follow this thought if he came to do away with the torah then it is the torah that tells us what sin is If he came to do away with the torah then we would no longer have any means to identify what sin is and if we don't know what sin is, therefore nobody sins. And if nobody sins, everybody goes to heaven. And Doesn't that sound like what people are preaching today? That's not the case. Josh, I'm stuck. Every now and then this likes to freeze up. It's all right. First John 3, 4 through 6. If you read in 1 John, I think all of us will, will agree that there was no sin in Yeshua. He was sinless. He needed to be sinless. He had to be sinless. So, we read even in Leviticus chapter 4 that if the high priest sins, that he brings guilt on the entire assembly, on the, on the whole congregation of Israel. So if our high priest Yeshua sinned, he wouldn't just bring guilt on Israel, he would bring guilt on everything under his authority, which would be everything. So he had to be sinless. Okay? He never sinned. But look at this, 1 John 3, 4 through 6. So whoever commits sin uh, transgresses the law because sin is what? Transgression of the law. Sin is transgression of the law. So if someone says, what is sin? It's funny because if someone comes to you and they say, what is sin? But then we start to name sins. Well, sin is uh, idolatry. Well, sin is, that sin is, that. we start to name sins. And see, those are what some sins are, but that is not what sin is. Can you see the difference? Because all of this can be grouped together in one thing. Sin is violation of Torah. When we violate the Torah, it is sin. So sin is the violation of the Torah. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. He did th- th- look at this very carefully. It does not say that he came to remove the law. It says he came to remove sin. What is sin? Violation of the law. In other words, he came so that we would stop violating his word. Boy, that's a big change of direction. And in him is no sin. Further, if there was no sin in him, that means he perfectly kept the Torah. Hmm. Verse 6. So whoever abides in him sins not whoever sins has not seen him or neither knows. All right. Romans 3.20. For in his sight, no one alive will be considered righteous on the ground of legalistic observance the Torah commands. Because what the Torah does is show how people how sinful they are. Just doing what the Torah says, trying to just do what the Torah says without having this covenant relationship or having a part of a heart towards the Father, you can't be good enough. That's why we need to, to understand. We need him. But now, quite apart from the Torah, God's way of making people righteous in His sight has been made clear, although the Torah and the prophets give witness to it. And it is righteousness that comes from God, the faithfulness of Yeshua the Messiah, to all who continue, what? Trusting. That's faith. So to those who have faith, He he gives righteousness, right? For it makes no difference whether one is Jew or Gentile. Oh, so now, as we're talking about just having faith, He makes us righteous. It doesn't matter where you're from. Since we all have sinned and come short of earning God's praise. So, by God's grace, without earning it, all are granted that status of being considered righteous before Him through the act of redeeming us from our enslavement to sin that was accomplished by Messiah Yeshua. So, when we are redeemed, it's not a matter of we do not keep the Torah to try to be redeemed, but because we are redeemed, we walk in His Word. That's His righteousness. okay And when we walk in His righteousness, we could be like Abraham. He believed God, He counted it to Him His righteousness, and God called Him His friend. Romans 4.3, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Galatians 3.6, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You can't tell me that the Brit HaRashah is full of the Torah because every single one of these is quoting from Genesis 15. Genesis 15, 3-6. Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Remember, he said, I'm going to give you a son. And Abram says, When? I haven't seen it yet. You said you would do it. I believe you would do it. But when? And if we don't hold out in faith, we can, we can create an Ishmael in our own lives. Okay. So he brought him outside, and he said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed Yahweh, and he counted it to him as righteous. Wow. So Yah called Avraham, and he went. And when he went, these promises were made. Now this is where, we're going to back up, we're going to talk about covenant, we're going to talk about Abraham. Now you go through and and you talk about the fathers of the faith, right? Well, one of these great people that always come up is Abraham, rightfully so. You talk about the great people of faith in in Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, Abraham, come on. And so how can we say that we have been redeemed and brought into this place of covenant position just like Abraham was? How was Abraham redeemed? He was redeemed because he believed what God said. He followed him, and it was counted to him as righteousness. How's that different for us? It's not. So Abraham is our example. Think about that for us. And to kind of throw this out there as well, was Abraham a Jew? No, because the tribe of Judah did not exist yet. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of those sons was Judah. So Abraham was not a Jew and abraham was redeemed and given a place of covenant before judah existed what does that mean for us what did yahweh tell Avram? go back to genesis chapter 12 okay genesis chapter 12 when he tells him to, to come out of the idolatry that he was in all right it says that i will make of you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing and i will bless them that bless you curse him that curse you and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed now we just read over this and say, man, that's awesome. And Abraham did become a great people, and all this stuff is great. But we fail to see how this relates to us. But I'll show you how it does. Okay. We'll get there. So he says, I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you, and then you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This word there for I will bless them is avarcha is the word that's used there. Barach is the word for blessed. It's right there. Um, also from the word meaning pool, P-O-O-L. Pool. What is a, what is a, what is a pool? It's a gathering of something together. Right? You gather something together, it is pulled together. So when the says to pool something, what are we thinking? Gather. So in you, I will bless them that bless you. I will gather them together that bless you. Is this a mistranslation? Is this wrong? No, not really. Look at the rest of this in the context of it. The idea of being pulled together. What's a, what's, a, what's a gathering used for? What's the pooling of water used for? A mikvah, baptism, right? So cl- cleansing and purification. So can you be mikvahed into a man? I mean, it says you will be pulled into Abraham. Can you be mikvahed into a man uh, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Hakodesh? Furthermore, we have 1 Corinthians 10. For brothers, I don't want you to miss the significance of what happened to our fathers. All of them were guided by the pillar of cloud, and they all passed through the sea. And in connection with the cloud and the sea, they all what? Immersed themselves into Moshe. This does not mean that now... Uh, that they are now in Moses. What it means is that what Moses taught them, they are now partakers of, and it is in them. They fully committed themselves to Moses and his leadership and what he was teaching. Why? Why? Because he was directly following the cloud. <laughs> Nobody else could say that, guys. <laughs> he was directly following the cloud. So as, the Mo- as Moshe was following Yahweh, the people were following Moshe. And so when Moshe would go to the mountain, he would speak to Yahweh, he would come down, he would share the words of life to the people. So initially what's going on is the people are immersing themselves into what Moshe was teaching them, okay? This is, and and we've hear, we hear phrases like the washing of the water with the word. That's not just poetry, okay? We see examples of things like this, all right? Galatians 3.8. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through what? Faith. You are justified by faith. You are saved by grace through faith right it's always been that way though even with abraham it's always been that way but look at this this is something that that's important so the scripture for seeing that god would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to who abraham so he, so this was this was a teaching we did a while back the gospel according to abraham right so he preached the gospel to abraham saying so it's not just some abstract thought of well he preached the gospel saying he would send yeshua and all this okay but he said he preached the gospel to him saying That means what comes next is what it's equated with the gospel being taught. What is it? In you shall all the nations be blessed. In you shall all the nations be pulled together. And you can put that either way. Pulled, P-O-O-L or (laughs) P-U-L-L. All the nations will be pulled together in you. So how does this work? So another thought is this. And I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families there be blessed. The word there for blessed is venivrahu. Venivrahu is the same as the root of the word mavrik. Mavrik means to graft. So when something is grafted, what does that mean? That that which was apart from something is now joined with something and is now considered fully a part of what it is joined to. Now think of things like Romans 11, right? Okay, in five places, the Talmud and other rabbinic literature says nivrahu is translated as grafted or intermingled. We have examples of this. There's, there's, there's the opinion by, by uh, Rashbam that says... The word nivrahu in Genesis 12.3 is related to the word barach, which in the Mishnaic term mavrik, meaning to intermingle or to graft. The Hebrew word nivrahu is the nifal conjugation of the root word barach. Literally, it can read, here's the point of all that, and in you all nations will be born through mixing. In you all nations will be born through mixing, joining with, becoming a part of, all the nations mixing together, coming back. Huh. And again, when we see things like this, it drastically changes how you start to see scripture. Galatians 3, 13 to 15. Messiah redeemed us from the curse. What's the curse? The curse of the Torah is not the Torah. The curse of the Torah is if you sin, you die. So the curse of the law, the, the, the decree or the ordinance that was written, that was nailed to the cross, was the, was the decrees of our sin, not the decrees of the law. <laughs> it was decrees of our sin. So this is what he says. Uh, having become a curse for us as it is written, cursed is everyone having been hung on a tree, according to Deuteronomy 21. Look at verse 14. That the blessing of who? What it's saying is, essentially, Yeshua did what he did. His his coming, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He did this so that, verse 14, the blessing of Abraham might come to who? The nations through who? Yeshua the Messiah. So how can Yeshua extend a covenant from Abraham to the nations? How does that work? I'll show you so that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Brothers, I speak as a man even though it be a man's covenant, yet if confirmed, no man can reject it or change anything in it. Galatians 3:29 says, so if you belong to the Messiah, you are the seed of who? Abraham. Does it say you are the seed of the Messiah? If you are if you belong to the Messiah, you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The promise given to who? Abraham. Context. <laughs> right? So Yah made covenant with Abraham. So how does Yah making covenant with Abraham open up the place to where Yeshua extending covenant that was given to Abraham to the nations? We're disconnected. What is the point? What connects it? Understanding that Israel's identity is based on covenant. Israel's identity is based on covenant. Who Israel is, is based on covenant. Their identity, their view of history, their destiny, their understanding of who God is. Their understanding of the covenant itself and the obligations of the covenant uh, uh, to Yahweh himself about the basis of prophetic institution, that which is prophetically declared towards them. All of this is derived viewing through the eyes of covenant. Because when you view scripture through the eyes of covenant, it changes what you see. Abraham had to walk in faith that the covenant would be fulfilled. How's that different from us? We have to walk in faith that Yahweh meant what he said. And when he said we are to be partakers of covenant, that he can make that happen. We have to walk in faith just like he walked in faith. We have to walk in obedience even without full understanding. I'm not telling you just complete blind obedience to everything, but there are times we don't understand and we just need to do what he said. Because if we say, well, no, I have to understand it, then you know what that really saying you're saying? You have no faith because it's not considered faith until it's put into practice. So in some cases, obedience includes sacrifice. We've heard obedience is better than sacrifice. In some cases, obedience includes sacrifice. Abraham had to sacrifice his life. Abraham had to lay his son on the altar. Abraham had to, had to come out of where he was and go to a place he didn't even know where he was going, right? How about this? Yeshua told some people to make offerings after he cleansed them. That's something that we don't often look at. That Yeshua told them to go make the appropriate offerings according to the Torah after he already cleansed them. Wow, like Luke 5, 14. Hmm. So he charged them, telling no man, but he said, go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony. Amazing, Yeshua told somebody to keep the Torah. How about this? If we are redeemed, then we are a partaker of covenant. Do we get that? Do we understand that? If we are redeemed, then we are a part of covenant. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, read the whole chapter. But if you read Ephesians chapter 2, you see things like this. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for what? Good works. What's the word for good works? Mitzvot. Mitzvot are translated for good deeds, good works. But guess what? It means commands literally it means commands so so he says we are done to two commands that means we walk according to as god commanded that god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them what did god prepare beforehand that we should walk in his commands his torah right okay verse 11 therefore remember that at one time you gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made by flesh in the hands what they're saying is you were of the nations you did not bear the sign of circumcision so therefore they did not consider you partakers of covenant okay Remember, when, when Yahweh asked uh, Abraham for uh, the sign of circumcision, that wasn't covenant. That was a sign of covenant. Okay? Was Abraham redeemed before the circumcision? Yes, very much so. Because chapter 12 is where he called him out, and all through that, and it wasn't until many chapters later that we see the circumcision even coming into place. Right? Okay, let me take a drink and we'll keep moving. <laughs> Verse 12. So remember that you were at that time, at the time that you were not considered in covenant, right? You were separated from the Messiah. I think we can agree there was a time we were separated from the Messiah. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no identity with Israel, no partaker of it at all. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. Look at verse 13. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who once were far off are now what? Brought near. Brought near to who? And And we say brought near to God, and you're right. But what literally does it say? Because it says, that which you were far away from, you are now brought near to. What did the verse right above it say? You were far away from. You were far away. You were separated from the Messiah. So now you're joined with the Messiah. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So in the Messiah, now that you're joined to him, you are brought into the commonwealth of Israel. That is joint heirs and partakers with. And now you are no longer strangers to the covenant of promise, but you are now a partaker of the covenant of promise. The covenant and promise that God made with who? What does it say right before it? Israel, you had no hope. Now you have hope. and You were without God in the world, but now you were with Him. He is with you. See how, that, see how that it works? You were far away, but you've now been brought near. Brought near to God, yes, but br- been brought near to a people called Israel. That's our new identity because that's part of our covenant. You Still haven't seen the connection with Abraham yet? We'll get to it. Understand, though, a covenant can't be broken. Yahweh will not break His covenant. If He makes covenant, He keeps it. And He does not do away with another covenant to establish a different one. And he will not establish one covenant that contradicts one he already established. So he builds from covenant to covenant to covenant. So, he can't, so how can we say, well, God made a covenant with Israel, but now he makes a covenant with us as, as Gentiles and as Christians that contradicts what he made with Israel. He did not say, this is my word, this is what I want to give you, this is my heart to you, you are a holy people set apart. Nah, change my mind, I want to try those people over there. Not the way it works. Genesis 15, verse 9. So he said to him, take for me a heifer three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took them all and he divided them in the midst and he laid each piece one against the other. But the birds he didn't divide. Why? Because a lot of the times when they made the covenant like this, uh, the birds were set free. As part of like the freedom and everything, you know, setting, setting free. And they would divide um, the, the, the pieces and they would walk between them in covenant. And remember, in cutting covenant, there's blessings of covenant and there's cursings in covenant. There's declarations and there's oaths. Okay? And so the idea is as you're walking between the, the pieces, it would be like saying, if I, if I break this covenant, may I be like these pieces that are severed between us. If I fail to keep this covenant, may I be like this. Okay? So in the declaration, there were blessings, there were cursings. Now, consider this. You make this covenant with the Most High, and you say, if I fail in this covenant, may I be separated and dead and cut in pieces like this animal. How long do you think it's going to take? Because good intentions are great, but can you live it perfectly? We need him. We can't do it in our own strength, okay? So we, we, we read him. We'll keep going. So when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Avram drove them away. I've heard people say Abraham tried to make covenant in his own strength, so when the, when the birds came, he tried to shoot them away because in his own strength he was trying to keep the covenant. That's not it, okay? It doesn't say anything like that. The question here, was he trying to keep that which was unclean from that which was holy? He was making covenants, so he took these pieces, he separated the pieces. He was making preparation for something that was holy and set apart to God. And then the unclean birds tried to come and, and take and to steal it, and he drove them away. That was protecting. That was safety. But, but what happened is God is saying, I will do that. I'll even keep that part. I'll even handle that. You don't have to worry about it. Okay? Like this, Mark chapter 4. It came to pass, he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and what happened? Fowls of the air. So we know that the sower is the seed. The seed is the word. When the word gets planted, then the birds come and they try to steal it immediately. So the word is planted now. The birds try to. So how, how is this different than when Yahweh tried to make covenant with Avraham Avraham prepared the pieces, and the birds tried to come to get ga- to grab it to steal away that which was a, a, a holy thing. Just different different perspective. Okay. So the understand the adversary will try to rob you of your seed. What is the seed? The seed is the word. The word is your promise. It's your heritage. It's the inheritance that was given to you. Understand that. it's your covenant. The declaration that is in the Torah is the covenant that is extended to you as his people. OK? All right, Genesis back to G- Genesis 15. 12. So when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Avram, and lo, a horror and a great darkness fell upon him, And he said to Avram, know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and you shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge, and afterward it will come out with great substance. Did this happen? Absolutely. Remember? They went down to uh, uh, Egypt. And they served Pharaoh, but yet when God brought them out, he judged them, right? We find in Romans 9, 17, Scripture says to Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. He raised Pharaoh up to crush him. But even that was not something that, that in Romans 9 is like saying, Oh, well, see, this was something that wasn't declared before. No, he, he told Abraham this was going to happen. <laughs> and understand the things that he was declaring to Abraham, that's considered part of the good news. So he raised up Pharaoh to crush him. Why? So that Yahweh would be glorified. Exodus 9.16 For this very deed cause I have raised you up to show in you my power that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Back to Genesis 15. 17 And it came to pass that as the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burn, burning lamp passed between the pieces. Uh, what? So Abraham walked between the pieces as part of that covenant. Wrong. Who walked between the pieces? Well, this says a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. Yahweh Yeshua. So who walked between the pieces? The Father and the Son. Yahweh and Yeshua. So Yeshua stood in covenant with Yahweh in the place of Abraham. So when Yeshua came again, he could extend that covenant that God made with Abraham to the nations because he stood in covenant that day, making that covenant on Abraham's behalf for all who would believe. That's going to take a while to sink in. Exodus 19, 18. Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire and a smoke door of ascended as what? The smoke of a furnace. Who was the furnace? Yahweh. The whole mountain looked like it was a smoking furnace. That's one big oven. Isaiah 4.5 Adonai will create over the whole side of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a smoking cloud by day and a shining flaming fire by night for the glory will be over everything like a hoopah. Isaiah 62, one. For Zion's sake I will not be silent. For Yerushalayim's sake I will not rest until I find her vindication shines out brightly and her salvation and her what? salvation her what Yeshua like a blazing torch so the furnace is Yahweh who's the torch Malachi 4 1 for behold the day comes that shall burn as an oven like what and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble and in the day that comes will burn them up says Yahweh oh, that I shall leave them neither root nor branch who's the root in the branch Yeshua Isaiah 31 9 and he shall pass over the stronghold of fear and his princes shall be afraid of the incense says the Lord for whose fire is in Zion and his furnace is in Jerusalem. Who's this testifying of? Exodus 20:18. All the people saw the thundering and the lightnings. This word for lightnings, torches, flashing flames, lightning. Ezekiel 1, As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and their appearance of lamps. Word for lamps is the same. Lightnings, flashes, torches. And it went up and down upon the living creatures and the fire was bright. Out of the fire went forth lightning. So Abraham could not keep the covenant in his own strength and in his own authority. Furthermore, from descendant to descendant to descendant, how could Abraham make sure this covenant would be kept? He's not there. So how could we stand with God who says your descendants will be like this and make all these promises to his descendants and Abraham isn't going to be there? How can he be assured that this covenant will be kept from the Most High? Because the Most High made the covenant with himself. The promises of the covenant were for Abraham's seed. Uh-oh, the promises of the covenant were for Abraham's seed. What do we read in Galatians 3.29? If you believe that the Messiah, then you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to that promise. Yeshua kept the covenant in Abraham's stead, which gave him, this is important, legal right to extend the covenant to Abraham's household. Legal right is a big deal, guys. Understand that God doesn't do anything that he considers illegal. It's a legal right. And if we understand legality of covenant, we might see things differently. Okay, so if you profess Yeshua as Messiah, then you are the seed of Abraham, partakers of the covenant that was formed and established with Abraham. Like we said, if you are the Messiah, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise that was given to him. Hebrews 6.13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. You see it now? Saying, surely in blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And remember, he said, and in you all the nations will be grafted, brought in. Ezekiel twenty thirty-seven. And I will cause you to pass under the rod. I will bring you into the bond of covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. And I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn. And they shall not enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am Yahweh. Yahweh is saying he will separate those that are his among the nations and he will bring them into a bond of covenant and he will purge those that are not his from them. First Chronicles 16.13 Oh, you seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is Yahweh our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Yitzhak and has confirmed the same to Yaakov for a law and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. God did not cut and make separate covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did not go to Abraham and say, make a covenant with you. Then he went to Isaac and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, but the covenant to Abraham, well, I tried it. He's dead now. So let's try this something else. And then, so after Isaac, go to Jacob and say, Jacob, this thing with your dad just didn't work out, man. You know, so uh, let's try something different. The same covenant he gave to Abraham. He went to Yitzhak and says, I promised Abraham, therefore I bless you. Same thing to Jacob. I promised Abraham and Isaac, therefore I bless you. Okay? They were all partakers of the same covenant. Abraham's seed will be a partaker of the same covenant with the same promises. This does not contradict anything Yeshua told us to do. Matter of fact, now we start to see how it actually starts to take shape.